Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. All right, they're going to be passing those things along. And um, hey, uh, let's see. So let's start today with a question. Um, I want to ask a question and then maybe see if you guys will raise your hands to vote on something, okay? All right, it's 2021, the year 2021. Would you say that our society now, right now, is in a place that is more judgmental or more... uh, more forgiving, more full of grace. In 2021, is our society as a whole more judgmental or more forgiving, more full of grace? Uh, So who thinks we're more judgmental now? Uh, Who thinks we're more full of grace, more forgiving now? You guys, are, you guys are in the minority. It's okay. I, honestly, I, I, my, my gut reaction, my knee-jerk reaction was, uh, no, we're, we're more judgmental than ever uh, right now. Like, we just look at certain things, and we look at social media and people who are just, they're just raging, ready to go to jump on someone. Anybody who says something wrong... Anyone who says something offensive, uh, we're, we're just ready to judge, right? Like we're more judgmental. But the funny thing is, uh, there's, there's an, an opposite side of that coin, um, just recognizing that um, at the same time, we're more full of grace and more full of forgiveness than ever with so many different things, things that maybe... I don't know about you guys, but maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you had a problem with that now you don't really have a problem with anymore. Like something that used to seem like a really big deal that you're like, oh, I can't believe. And now it's 2021 and you're like, eh, there's other, there's other stuff going on. Um, I'll, like one of the things that pops into my mind I don't know if you should talk about this. I didn't go to pastor school, so maybe you, I shouldn't talk about it. But one of the things for me is uh, like people who smoke pot. <laughs> oh, no, woo, no woos, no woos. I like, I like that you did it, but it's funny. No, but just that I was, I was very, I was a very judgmental. Uh, person growing up, and I was, um, I mean, I was very, I was straight edge for a very long time that, no, nothing, and I had a lot of bad experiences with, you know, family and friends who got involved in different things, and so it was just, uh, no, anybody who does any kind of drug is, is evil kind of thing, and I just think it's, it's weird that it's, you know, 20 years later or so, and I'm like, eh, I don't really care. 
I just, I don't really, I don't really, I'm, I'm more worried about different things. I'm definitely more worried about, um, you know, a, a drunk driver or a, a, something like that. Um, it, it's, it's just been this thing where over time, like, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to eat all my flaming Hot Cheetos kind of thing. <laughs> it, it just, it, that kind of thing changed for me, if I can be honest with you. Um, other things for people, I know people who uh, were massively judgmental uh, about anyone who was gay. And then, wouldn't you know it, they got a gay nephew. <laughs> or this, uh, <laughs> I became friends with someone who was different than me, and they changed the way that I thought about it. Just, what a, just that kind of stuff. And so there's an argument that we're more judgmental than ever. This is all I'm bringing up. We're more judgmental than ever. Or is there, is there also more grace and more forgiveness going on than ever? Is it crazy for me to say that it's possible that both of them are increasing? Like at the same, how can that be? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What we're going to talk about today, though, is uh, how some of, those, some of those things interact with our... Um, our judgment and our grace. Um, I guess to start, I would, I'll share, I'll share part of a, a story with you from my past. Um, when I was about 15 years old, I started dating a girl um, who, honestly, I, I, I wasn't that interested in, but there weren't a ton of girls interested in me. So, she asked me out, and I was like, hmm, okay, I guess. I got nothing else going on. And I started dating her, and it was just this weird thing where the entire time that we were dating, um, uh, it was immediately apparent, I have got to get out of this. I don't like this. I don't like her. I should have never said yes. But also, I was 15, and I was an immature, scared little boy who was terrified to break this girl's heart in some way. Um, I've told this story before, but she, she wrote me all kinds of letters. Um, and one of them, and I know it's a, it's, it's a joke from a movie, but she did it accidentally. She wrote me a, a letter that said, density put us together, not destiny. <laughs> and it, that was like one of the, the that kind of sealed the deal, like I had got... It's, she, wrote, she said it was density, and it wasn't a joke from the, I got to get out, but I was a scared little boy, and so um, after dating her for a few months and dreading it, and every day trying to figure out how am I, how can I, and I'm going through all the stuff, like I could fake my own death, <laughs> I could, anything to not just tell this girl the truth, anything. And so I did the brave thing, and I just stopped answering the phone. <laughs> and I skipped school for several days, and I just hid around corners, like, from her. And <laughs> until eventually, it was obvious she got the drift after lots of angry 
uh, voicemails and things being left and friends coming up like, yeah, she kind of wants to kill you now. Um, that she, she got the message that I, I'm done, I'm out, and I'm scared, and I'm, and I'm a wimp. I'm afraid she's going to hurt me. Um, this happened when I was 15 years old, and it was one of those things that um, I had for uh, close to 15 years where it was in the, the left side corner pocket of my stomach feeling like a dirt bag. Like, you wronged that girl really bad. You, you wronged her, and um, man... And also recognizing that um, that that altered the trajectory of my life in certain ways. And so I'm sure that it could have altered the trajectory of her life. And it just ate away at me for for years and years, the memory of of wronging that girl. Um, Maybe some of you have done similar dirtbaggy things. Uh, we've messed up stuff, we've made mistakes or hurt people or people have hurt us. Um, Some of you were the girl in that story and you were hurt by somebody Uh, or you missed opportunities, you had certain failures in whatever way that you just wish never happened. And no matter what, uh, no matter what, Some of those things, like, it seems like that should have just gone away and disappeared. Um, They they hang around. And um, I I know people who have had every, you know, every part of their life affected by this seemingly irrelevant, seemingly small thing where I just wonder what it would be like if they they got a do-over or they got a fresh start or they they got a different opportunity, a new beginning. What I've found uh, personally is that Jesus has offered that to me, that he's given me the, the, he's granted me this privilege of being able to actually put the past behind me and start over again and have a clean slate on so many different things. And it's been, I mean, it's why, like, it's why I can't stop telling people about him. I know not everybody has, uh, has screwed stuff up in the same way. And so for some people, it's, it's harder to, to wrap their head around about what, what Jesus can do for them. Um, but he, I mean, he just did everything for me. Um, he gave me this clean slate. My wife and I were married in 2003, and uh, we, I was 20 years old. If you're 20 right now and you're thinking about getting married, I would say don't do that. Um, I have couples come to me, and they're like, Hi, we're good. I'm like, you children. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's the grace of God that has, like, given us an awesome marriage, and we messed up all kinds of stuff. But I got married when I was 20, and my wife was 21, and we bought, our, we bought a house when I was 20, which, I don't know, I've heard that's not very common anymore. 
we bought this house out of an auction. We didn't make any money. I don't know how we got this. But immediately, we couldn't afford it. <laughs> like, no part of it. I'm like, I can't. Uh, uh, I can't. Like, we, we can't afford a lawnmower big enough to cut the grass. We can't afford, like, if anything breaks, if anything, if any pipe, we're just, we can't afford any of it. And so um, we're 20, 21 years old, and we end up doing what you do, and we get credit cards, and we end up in debt really fast, too, and bought dumb stuff that we shouldn't have bought because it feels like we have money all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, we have $10,000 in credit card debt and can barely make the minimum payment on that and we're, we're in trouble. And so I remember what we did is we had, you know, we had this kind of serious talk, like we have to, we gotta, whoa, we need a solution. We went to my wife's grandparents um, and we, we requested kind of a meeting to sit down with them and talk and to fess up that we're so dumb and we need help, um, will you please give us a loan? Like, right now, the only thing we can get is like 23% interest on this or that. Is there any way that you can give us a loan to pay off this credit card debt so we can try to start getting our head above water and being responsible? And we just you know, we fessed up. We're like, yeah, we were idiots. <laughs> like, we bought stuff we should not have, and we're just wondering if you can give us a, what, like, whatever, a low-interest loan, however we can pay it back, and they graciously agreed to give us the loan. And I just remember they got out the checkbook, and they wrote a check for $10,000 and handed it to us, and we talked about like how we're going to pay it off and, and how long it's probably going to take us and stuff like that. And we're getting ready to walk out the door. And they said, by the way, we don't ever want you to pay us back for that. Um, it's, it's over. And uh, it's forgiven. It's gone. And it was this clean slate all of a sudden. And uh, just not even knowing what to do. We're driving home like, what? It's a clean slate all of a sudden. That was a clean slate financially for us that changed that changed the trajectory of our life. Um, a lot of us have different kinds of slates. When I'm saying slate, I mean like an old-style chalkboard. Uh, clean slate is, is talked about in Scripture because the kids who were learning, um, going through Hebrew school, they would have a piece of slate and a piece of chalk that they're writing things on, that they would have to clean off, and if they were good kids in Hebrew school, if they performed well, you know, there, there were not Snickers bars at the time. The big treat was that you would get honey. Like, honey was so rare, 
and honey was so expensive and so sought after that um, you needed to have a clean slate. You had to have all of your stuff worked out and erased and cleaned off the board, all the problems done from the board. If you had a clean slate, they would put honey on the slate and you could lick it off. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a simpler time. Uh, but you had to have a clean slate to be rewarded. And uh, just so many of us have slates that are dirty with different things. Um, a lot of people I know have things that are stuck on their slate um, that they can't ever erase all the way, like things that maybe they've wiped off, but you can still see it. Uh, grudges that they're holding on to. Um, it could be financial stuff. It could be like sexual stuff. It could be past hurts or heartbreak. It could be embarrassments. Like this is, uh, this was totally my fault. Um, I was the one completely in the wrong and, and I just feel so embarrassed about it. Um, and so this thing is haunting me somehow. Uh, it could be a failure that you had. You tried to start a business or you said you were going to college for this thing and you flunked out or you dropped out. Uh, just a million different possibilities of things that are stuck on your, your slate where you're like, Ugh. I, I can't quite, I'm, I, I'm not quite tasting honey yet, right? And so, like, what is it that's, that's dirty on your slate or what is, what is it that's keeping it from being clean, um, today, what I'm trying to talk about is uh, just uh, what I think is the, the biggest one that kind of falls into this category. It's forgiveness, uh, and it can go both ways. So um, the thing that ends up on so many people's slate in, in one form or another is forgiveness or unforgiveness, like where you need to forgive someone who wronged you, or you need to seek forgiveness for wrongs that you've done. Um, I think most of the stuff that ends up on a slate is in these two categories, where you need to be forgiven of something, or you need to forgive someone who hurt you. Forgiving other people, sometimes it's forgiving yourself, like maybe some of you, I know I've had this many times where it's, it's easy for me to forgive somebody else, but I can't let myself off the hook on something. And I just, and we, and we start in on that, that language from the enemy, agreeing with the enemy, that he makes a suggestion that you're always going to be a screw-up, and you go, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep, you're right. Anybody else? Ever do that? I'm the only one? Like, I have to fight against that, that moron's voice constantly. Like, oh, you'll always be like that. Oh, you'll, huh? you did it again. In the recovery community, I've heard it said before that um, uh, this guy's name is Slick. Slick says, like, 
Yeah, you're fine. Just, just drink one. Man, I can't listen to Slick. Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Uh, sometimes forgiveness comes really quickly for you. It's like surprisingly fast. Uh, one of my favorite stories is St. Patrick from the St. Patrick's Day. He didn't just chase snakes. He also did important priestly duties. St. Patrick was um, baptizing a king named Angus in the 5th century. And during the baptism, they did a little bit more than we do here. It had to do with swords and like rite of passage stuff going over. And St. Patrick accidentally loses his grip on his sword and drops, he, he drops it and it stabs through King Angus's foot during the ceremony. I baptize you and then, oh crap, sorry, kind of thing. <laughs> and <laughs> there is blood it says like it was not it was it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a poke. It was enough that there was blood, and uh, that Saint Patrick begs forgiveness of the king. And the king said, "Uh, well, you're forgiven. I just I kind of thought that was part of the ceremony. <laughs> you know, like it was a symbol. Like it was immediate. He's like, well, sure, you're forgiven. It was immediate. Sometimes um, you're let off the hook right away." For something, um, and sometimes it, it ends up it ends up taking a while uh, before that that happens. Sometimes, um, sometimes forgiveness shows up when you're not you're not expecting it, you're not wanting it. Sometimes um, someone comes along and asks for your forgiveness, and you have no idea that um, you were hurt by them that they have been carrying something around feeling guilty that they did to you, and um, you, it, didn't even, it didn't even bother you. Uh, about 15 years ago, I had a friend named Greg who, um, you know, o- over the years we were, we were better friends than, than at whatever, one time or another, but uh, during that time I was getting tattooed a lot, and I remember getting a certain tattoo on one of these arms or something somewhere and showing it to some of my friends and my friend Greg said, that's just the dumbest tattoo I've ever, like, that is so stupid. Why would you do that? And he just like crushed me over it. Like, that is the, okay. So you need a reminder on your arm permanently to remember that simple thing. And just, he roasted me. I'm like, whatever, he's a jerk. Kind of let it. He was always kind of a jerk. It didn't bother me very much. I get called 10 years later. 10 years later, I haven't seen him in forever. And he says, hey, I was just wondering if, uh, do you remember that one time that I said uh, the tattoo you got on your left arm was really stupid? I was like, yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. I like, man, I haven't ever stopped thinking about that. And I just want to say I'm so sorry. It was really stupid, and I don't know why I said it. And uh, 
now I've got all these tattoos all over me, and, I, and they're way dumber than anything you ever, just all these things. And, and I understand it, but I'm just really sorry, and uh, I just have, I think about it, he's like, I think about it at least like once a week, at least once a week. I said, well, I don't ever think about it. It really, you are forgiving. You're let off the hook, like completely let off. He says, thank you. Thank you so much. And he's free. He's released. Why is he carrying that? Why does he have something dirty on his slate for 10 years? (laughs) Like it's one of those things that ends up... Man, nothing else is clear. If you're trying to write over it, you ever write on a, write, a, a whiteboard that won't erase all the way, and you're like, yeah, yeah it's just kind of unclear. Everything's unclear because you got crap on your slate. You got stuff that you need to get rid of that is on there. Colossians chapter 2. This is the message translation. I just really like the way this one says it. Colossians chapter 2, it says, When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Just think of it. All your sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. Slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. And so... um, I'll try, I'll try to wrap up quickly. This is what always happens. When I have hardly any notes, I go longer. So I'm going to try to go real fast. Um, the, this idea that hit me um, several years back that I can't let go of a simple yet profound truth is that you can never, ever, ever get something clean without getting something else dirty. You never, ever get something clean without getting something else dirty. So if you have a, a dirty slate, you got stuff on there that you need to get rid of, unforgiveness, uh, guilt, shame, whatever kind of thing on the slate, if you want to get that clean, something else has to get dirty. And it's that way for every single thing in the world. You can't clean anything without getting something else dirty. So you spill something on the table and you wipe it off with a paper towel. You soiled the paper towel. Uh, if you want to clean that thing, you got to get something else dirty. If you want to mop the floor, floor is clean now. Uh, mop is dirty. The water is dirty. That water is going to go down the drain. That water is going to somewhat pollute the overall water supply. You have to dirty something to get something else clean every single time. And it, I mean, I challenge you scientifically to find a place where it's not true. If you want to make something clean, we're cleaning up this area. Yeah, this, this, group, of, this group of volunteers showing up in their cars, polluting uh, with fumes. That could be the way that it's getting, we're cleaning, but we're getting something dirty. You're always getting something else dirty to clean something, no matter what. If you want a clean slate, if you want a clean conscience, if you want a clean start, something else has got to get dirty in your life for that to happen. It has to. Um, 
And so sometimes it's, you got to get your hands dirty. Like, um, I uh, spray-painted stuff on this concrete wall one time with some friends. I got busted, and I had to, we had to clean it off. Um, to get back to not being in trouble, we had to scrub and scrub, get our hands dirty to get something else clean. Uh, but sometimes it's your pride that has to get dirty. Sometimes it's your ego that has to get dirty for something else important to get clean. Uh, sometimes you have to... Um, Sometimes you have to fess up and say, I'm the bad guy. I'm the one that messed it up. Uh, sometimes you have to do something embarrassing to make something else clean. Um, I started today with just telling you about my girlfriend when I was 15, um, when I was about 30 years old is when I was finally tired of that thing being in the pit of my stomach and needed to do something. And so I contacted her on Facebook and said, I wronged you. I know what I did, and I ignored you, and I did all these things, and I know that it, I know it had to hurt at the time. I'm praying that it wasn't as... I'm praying it wasn't as bad... As it, as it feels like it was, uh, and just all these things, and just, just fessed up, and, and um, just essentially said, you know, I'm not, I was just really bad to you, and I'm really sorry. And um, I just remember her contacting me and saying, like, eh, we were kids, we we're dumb, like, I completely forgive you. My life is great now. This is like my husband that this is going on, this is going on. And I'm and her saying, You are released. You are released. You're free. But it was this thing where like I my my pride had to get dirty, my emotions had to get dirty, my um ego had to get messy, um, had to suck it up and say <laughs> I uh, and and just acknowledge acknowledge what happened, and stop pretending that it didn't happen. Um, for for anybody who's ever been an addict of any kind, you know that if you have ever gotten clean or you're in the midst of getting clean, um, you have to go through withdrawal, and it's a dirty, messy process. Um, you can't ever get clean without getting dirty first. It's a process of suffering if you want to get clean. Nothing can get clean without something else getting dirty. And so um, a lot of times it's that suffering that ends up leading to your success. Um, the thing I've found is that it's this weird thing where Jesus, Jesus lets us off the hook for certain things. And so it, it just struck me at some point that I didn't have to get, I didn't have to get dirty. I didn't have to get my hands dirty. I didn't have to get my ego dirty for this. I didn't have to. And I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus had to, Jesus had to get bloody 
and beaten and mangled and humiliated and spit on and just dirty for us so that we could have an opportunity to be clean because it's the way that it always works. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, but if you suffer for doing good and you can endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Like that, you should fo- that we should follow in his steps of suffering. Does he mean we should go to a cross? No, it says in the word we should bear our own cross. What does our cross look like? It says in verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was ever found in his mouth. Yet, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to the sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Uh, Jesus is not caught off guard by... um, the fact that you've been hurt, either that you've been hurt or that you need to forgive somebody. Like, he's never surprised by that. I know some people are like, oh, I can't tell Jesus about what I've done. <laughs> Spoiler, he already knows. <laughs> he's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. <laughs> he's not caught off guard by any of that kind of stuff. John 16, it's, Jesus says, I've told you these things. So that in me, you may have peace. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You might be one of the people who says, Yeah, but you don't understand what they did to me. He's like, was it anything like being beaten and spit on and uh, ridiculed and hung up on a cross to die? Was it, was it anything like that? Because if it's, if it's anything that falls into the category of, of that bad or less than that bad, I get it. I know what you've been through. Some of you have been uh, hurt by somebody. And um, it, it's just, it is absolutely normal. And I get it. And pretty much everybody gets it. To that you would want to hurt them back somehow. You would want to hurt them back by withholding your love. You'd want to hurt them back by physical pain, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of thing. You would want to hurt them back in some way. Maybe you have a, a like in Major League, the little voodoo doll, like, what is it, Jabu? What is it? You're going to get them back somehow? That is very normal. Jesus just isn't. Jesus doesn't operate normal. Um, he, he does things in a different way that calls us into something that's way harder a lot of times. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. 
Forgive is to recognize that somebody else is just like you. They're a human. They're flawed. They're imperfect. They're capable of making all kinds of heinous mistakes just like you are. And that if you're in that place right now where you're holding on to that, um, that you're not forgiving that person. Maybe they've never asked, but you're holding that forgiveness hostage so that you can hurt the other person. Um, you end up being the one who is in more pain uh, than they ever are. Um, you end up with more bitterness, more anger, more closed off from people, more afraid to trust anybody. Like you get all the raw end of the deal when you withhold your forgiveness for somebody else. Anne Lamott, in her book, Traveling Mercies, said, in fact, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. Ephesians 4 says, get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Um, we're over time. The challenge for you this week is to try to identify what is, uh, what is easiest to see that's left on your slate. If you have something lingering on there, is it that you need to forgive somebody else? Um, that has hurt you in some way and let them off the hook because maybe you're right, maybe you're eating rat poison. This <laughs> will show them. Like, I've done it for so long with so many different, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, yours might be to forgive yourself. God chooses not to bring it up anymore. He says, as far as the East is from the West, that's how far our transgressions are from us, that uh, he doesn't just erase it and you can still kind of see it. It says he, he, he casts it into the sea where it can be seen no longer, like it's gone all the way. And so if God is good with letting go of that thing that you did, um, you have to get on board with that or else you're in this weird spot where you're considering yourself uh, a better judge of character than God. Well, he doesn't really know what he's doing. I need to punish myself a little longer. He's letting me off too easy. No, nope, he's letting you off just right. Um, the third one might be that you need to ask for forgiveness to make things right with someone. Um, I, I had to send out a, a text message early this morning to ask for forgiveness from somebody and uh, to try to make things right um, and, uh, and just recognize that most of the time I just want to be right. Like, I want to be right, and, um, but I'm going to end up losing somebody that I love if I keep trying to be right. And so... I have to ask for forgiveness for just stuff I've said and done. Um, do you need to forgive somebody else? Do you need to forgive yourself? Or do you need to ask for forgiveness? I bet you got one of them. Let's pray. God, thank you for 
and just an example of who you are and how you operate. And uh, man, it's, it's, a different, it's a different way. It's a better way to live. We want to live in more of a kingdom way. So I pray that you'd reveal to us uh, what it is that we need to work on um, to experience all the goodness that you have for us so that we can have the honey put onto our slate that you want to gift to us so that we don't have dirt and junk and just stuff hanging around that, that, that messes it up. Give us the boldness to ask for forgiveness. Give us the just the, the, the strength to be able to forgive other people, even if we don't have to, we don't even have to tell them that we've forgiven them. That you would just give us the, the strength to be able to, to set them free in our heart where we can wish them well. And if any of us in this room are in that place of just punishing ourselves for stuff that you would remind us that if you have decided to forgive us because of the work that was done on the cross with your son Jesus, we need to get on board. Recognize that you know better than we do. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. If, if anybody wants to be prayed for for anything at all, um, this, stuff can be, this stuff can be hard. Um, we, we would love to help you and talk and pray through it. We'll have some prayer team people over here by the cross. And uh, I hope to see you guys soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.